0: You're listening to the 12 Days of Miss 2023, brought to you by the Longbox Crusade. <music> Slays grounding. Hello and welcome to the second day of the 12 Days of Crusademus for 2023, brought to you by the Longbox Crusade. The 12 Days of Crusademus is our gift to the podcast community to celebrate the holiday season. And we're celebrating this joyous season by sharing with you some comic book titles that may have gotten by you in the past. Each of the 12 Days of Crusademus will bring you a hidden gem of a comic series, Brought to you either by one of our Holly Jolly co-hosts or one of our podcast celebrity guests. Until we get all the way to December 25th, Christmas Day, a.k.a. Sky Striker Day. I'm your host for the second day of Crusadeness, Jason Albrecht, the Weasel Skull. And here are, well, usually we have three, but we have one of our Holly Jolly co-hosts has stepped away. So so no Delvin. He's having a good time, uh, celebrating some lovely birthday with his with his significant other and having a good time there. But we've got two out of the three. So here joining me for today's unwrapping is, we'll start with the founder, Pat DJ Cristados. How is your Christmas season going, sir?
1: Well, Merry Christmas, soon to be Christmas season uh, to you, Jason, as well. Um, it is going good. Things are happening here. We're all getting the studio here all set up. Lights will be up pretty soon. I'm going to make the list of who's doing what this year to help Why? me out. So that'll be coming soon. Um, actually, speaking about the list, I sent Delvin out. I got two turtles and I sent Delvin to get me the doves. But oh. obviously he's not coming back now. I, I, He told me he was coming back. I the heard dog. there was a dove shortage or something, so he just may uh-huh. have a
0: hard time finding doves.
1: Yeah? Oh, man. That makes me cry. <laughs> this
2: is what it sounds like when doves are in short supply.
0: It sounds <laughs> like, just like Thank
2: that.
1: Thank you. You got to give it. To <laughs>
0: <them>. <laughs> All right. Now that he's kind of uh, announced himself anyway, let's turn it over to my brother from my actual mother, Jared Albrecht, the Christmas Pro.
2: Well, hello, everybody. Weirdly enough, I sent Delvin out to get us more fruitcake, so it sounds like we've all sent him on different errands. <laughs> this would explain why he's not back in time. I don't really want fruitcake; I just want to see if he'd do it. So, we'll see. But you know what? I didn't come without the Christmas joke. You know, oh it's my good, thing. oh good. it's my thing. So here's all your right. Christmas joke for day two of Crusademus. So the three wise men go to see the uh, baby Jesus and Joseph and Mary. And the first one goes and gives him the gold. They say, thank you so much. And then the second one comes up and gives them the frankincense. And they say, oh, thank you so much. And Joseph says, is that it? And he goes, no, no, there, there's myrrh.
1: Mm. Is there myrrh to this joke? No, no, there's <laughs> not. No.
2: no, Just as a reminder to our listening audience, I literally Google bad Christmas jokes before
3: each of these recordings. <laughs> and I try to that pick did, the one that's that the worst. Joke. That joke didn't make any frankincense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that joke was funnier.
2: It will not be getting the gold in any joke competition. No. So, uh, yeah, there's
0: myrrh.
1: You know, All right. Jesus, I- Joseph, and Mary, you better make some better jokes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell <laughs> Delvin to find you a better joke book or something. Well, also joining us today around the fireplace is Van Allen Plexico from the White Rocket Podcast Network. Welcome, man. How are you this Christmas season?
1: Smoke really? weed Bloody every day. day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is, the soundboard <laughs> has
2: infected our podcast. All right. I love oh, it. The AU Wishbone <laughs> soundboard has made an appearance. Oh, give me a Godwills it. God wills it! God it. <laughs> <laughs> there we
0: go. <laughs> there you go. And right. with that, I'm here. I am here. Oh, great. Well i noticed that you uh, have a little stocking with a present in it. What do you have gift wrapped in that stocking?
3: As you may have heard in the singing intro, today is Two Slays Grounding, which means we are unwrapping (laughs) Slay Ground from 2013, published by IDW. So, a brief history of this series and creators, so I have to take you back to two gentlemen Richard Stark who is Donald E. Westlake and then Darwin Cook so back in the 60s and 70s Westlake writing as Richard Stark wrote 18 novels about this character Parker who is a thief but he's a consummate professional thief and very very efficient and kind of sets the outfit trilogy five heists four scores and 20 years ago or whatever and then the final four and then he wrote another modern set in the 90s Eh, this when you have computers and electronics and it's not really Parker. It's the same Parker character, kind of like superheroes. He never ages. They're okay, but the original ones are so good because they're 60s and 70s. It's the source of the Mel Gibson movie Payback, the Lee Marvin movie Point Blank, the Jason Statham movie Parker, and the Parker character on Leverage is named after this Parker. So Parker has really infected uh, crime culture more than you might realize. And what happened was around 20 years ago the great Darwin Cook the comic book writer and artist loved Parker and and he's the only person that in his lifetime Westlake allowed to do Parker adaptations using the name Parker because if you think about it Mel Gibson is Porter and I forget Lee Marvin is something else he would never let anybody use the word Parker because they just didn't do it quite right but when when Darwin Cook showed him what he was going to do he's like this is it you've got it you've got the real deal And so that is a brief history of the series and creators. So would you like to know some of the reasons that I love this book?
0: Yes, I'd love to know some of the reasons why you love this book, man.
3: We know that Richard Stark, i.e. Donald E. Westlake, is a freaking genius. Wrote so many great crime novels, but Darwin Cook is too. And the two of them together is absolutely magical. So it's not just the art, but in these adaptations that Darwin Cook did, and I I picked one of them that's a really fun one, but all of them are equally great. It's not just the art on a given page, but how Cook takes a 200-page novel, 150-page novel, to be honest, and breaks it down into 60, 70, 80, whatever pages as he does for each one of these, and he uses a lot of techniques that are very unique to him. They're kind of cartoony, but they carry that sense of noir, kind of crime and everything in just a few strokes. And he uses one color wash through the whole story, but each story has a different color. So you can look at any of these Parker stories and instantly know which one it is by looking at one page of it, if you know what color it is. It's really amazing. And with one color, he's able to convey so much. And as far as the character goes, He's uncompromising. He's utterly competent. You know, they say that we really like to watch somebody who's very, very competent at what they do, do their job, whether it's a surgeon on a medical show or a police detective or whatever. Parker is the most competent professional thief and you root for him. He's been described as a shark or a wolf. He just, he kind of cruises along doing his thing. And if you get in his way, you get eaten. But like a wolf or a shark, he doesn't do it for fun. He just says, well, going to have to eat this person, you know, basically and and kill him or whatever. He's so focused and he's not really interested in the things that most people are interested in. He just lives to do his jobs and occasionally go to the beach in Miami Beach in between jobs. And there's just nobody better at it. And we really like to watch people that are so good at things do things like this. So that's why I am a huge Parker fan and a huge Darwin Cooks Parker fan. I really am curious if any of you guys have read any of Cook's Parker comics before or any of the books before. So let me start with Jason as our host. Jason, what was your previous experience with Parker?
0: This is my first experience with Parker. I actually had picked it up at a convention in Tacoma last fall. And I picked it up because I was listening to one of your podcasts when you were talking about it. And I was like, oh, that sounds really interesting and they had several Parker Cook adaptations laid out on the table. So I was like, oh, I'll try some of these out. So I happened to have it on hand. And, you know, it wasn't until you picked it for this episode that I so I'm glad I bought it. <laughs> so I pulled it off the shelf and wow, what a good read it was. I'll get into that later. But first read and man, you are not overhyping your, your choice. It's really, really good.
3: I'm going to ask each one of you this quick question too had you seen Payback or Point Blank either? I saw Payback. I I did. I did not make the Parker
0: connection. I didn't have anything really to connect it with. Right. Now I kind of want to watch it again. My question to you is, how do you feel it held up to the Parker source material?
3: None of them is Parker as the character that we know him in the books or the comics. But I think that Payback does the best job of conveying the the sheer fun of a Parker story. He's a different character. Mel Gibson plays him differently than the character in the book, but he gets a lot of things right. And that movie gets a lot of things right. If I had said The Hunter instead of uh, Sleigh slayground, you'd be like, oh, this is totally payback. You'd have gotten it. You absolutely would have known it, even though the character is a little different. Okay. Thanks. Pat, what was your previous uh, experience with Parker? Uh, My
1: only experience with Parker is just uh, word of mouth from other comic book fans listening to other podcasts out there. They would always talk about Parker. And when you talk about Parker in the comic book scene, the name associated with that is always Darwin Cook. And so that's like peanut butter and chocolate coming together. So I've always heard great things about it, never had a chance to read it until this opportunity, so I am definitely glad I did.
3: Awesome, awesome. Had you seen any of those movies?
1: I may have seen bits and pieces of payback now that you mention it, but I never would have put the two and two together. And that was going to be one of my questions to you was, you know, what other adaptations are out there for this character?
3: Yeah, the um, the Jason Statham movie that's just called Parker... They were able to call it Parker because Westlake had unfortunately died and the widow's like, yeah, whatever, you know, she just wanted to check. But it's based on one of the 1990s, more modern ones. It's actually a very fun crime movie. It's a good crime movie if you just pretend it's about some British gangster and not Parker. Jared, now I know you have some previous mm. experience, thanks to mm. me, with Parker, thanks but you. what else?
2: Yeah, that, you, uh,
3: uh, Tell us about that and then whatever else you might.
2: Your love of Parker branched off uh, onto on me a bit first of all i saw all the episodes of parker lewis can't lose not related um i've <laughs> read too, every episode of uh peter Parker spectacular spider-man also not there related. i've seen payback i've seen parker i have not seen point blank it's on my list of things to do but once upon a time you gifted me the score i think
3: it was the the green eagle score i think it was the air force one
2: that was my first and only book that I read. And I don't say only as in like, oh, I didn't like it. No, I, I did like it. It's just I read a lot of other stuff for podcasts. But that was pretty good. And then, of course, they released the Westlake book that was like he novelized a script treatment he had done for a Bond movie that went unused. And Van was all like, hey, you, everybody read this book. We're a podcast about it. So I bought the book and I read it. And then he never, <laughs> never followed <laughs> through. Uh- <laughs> well, I read the book and went, ah, it's not that great. So, <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, I guess the short answer is two of the three movies read one novel. And mm. I mean, what, you're here, so we have we need to tell everybody that you you write sort of homage novels in this yeah. vein. Uh, and I know you don't want to brag about on yourself, but I'm going to brag on you. He's written Vegas Heist and Miami Heist. They're both very much like love letters to this universe, and they're really great. And I'm not just saying that because Van's my friend or he's on the show. And they just read really fast. I proofread the first one and I was just amazed at how fast I got through it. Man it has a very crisp writing style. If you listen to this and you're like, oh, I dig Parker and the whole Parker the universe. Definitely check out Vegas Heist and Miami Heist by Van Plex. They're really good. I'm not just saying because he's here. I've literally, <laughs> I've literally read them and enjoyed
3: them. Yes, a second. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The thing we all dream of is a movie series based on the book's or a Netflix series based on the books that would actually be accurate to the character. And someday, maybe, you know, because there's so many people that love the the character so much, but uh, he's just so unique. All right, so this particular issue, Darwin Cook was going to do like six, seven, eight adaptations. Westlake passed away right before Cook finished the first one. And so when they told... Cook, that Westlake had died and hadn't seen it, he just broke down in tears because he never got to see it. He had seen the preliminary stuff and loved it, Mm -hmm. but he never got to see the whole thing. Well, then Cook finished the ones he did and he was getting ready to do the last couple and then he died suddenly as well. So they have both passed away and we're not going to get any more Parker and we're not going to get any more adaptations of Parker, both of which are very sad, but it makes what we have so... Valuable and so treasured that it's all we really have. So I chose this one because it's one of the shorter ones, but it's probably my second favorite Parker novel, and it's such a great visual story. All right, let me give you a quick summary. Parker and Grofield have robbed an armored car. The car crashes in the snow. It's snowing in like Buffalo. Parker is able to get away and hides out in a closed-down amusement park, and the local organized crime gang he sees them they see him they know he's got money so they come in after him so the entire rest of the story is he has a little time to run around and rig up traps in the amusement park and it becomes the death trap for all the mobsters and then he finds a clever way to escape at the end that i won't necessarily talk about right now one aspect that i like what cook does is that all all the parker novels use exactly the same four-act structure Where an opening act lays out the crime, the heist, the score. The second act, things start getting bad and Parker is scrambling. The third act is usually a flashback where we learn about the other person, the other major character. And then in the fourth act, they come together and there's some kind of resolution. Somebody gets killed, somebody gets away, whatever. They are all built exactly that same way. Book one, book two, book three, book four. And Cook is able to stick to that structure while still doing what he wants to do in a very short short amount of pages. And by the way, one really cool thing about this book is he leaves his buddy Grofield in the car at the very beginning, and there's a Grofield novel that starts out with the police pulling Grofield out of the car. And at one point in the story, Parker thinks to himself, Grofield is going to go down for the first time. Grofield does not go down. He ends up in a hospital And the CIA comes and recruits him for a spy mission. It's so cool. So I want to know what you guys thought about this. All right, let's go with Pat first. I want your thoughts and your reaction to this story. You know, you said a lot about this story
1: that I had a lot of questions on. So I'm glad you went through everything that you did about how this came about, the story style that Cook does, the story style that the author does as well, and... One of the things you mentioned was the color choice that Cook does. And once you mentioned that, I just, I had to quickly write down a note that says, you know, this particular one was gray washed, I thought. And I thought that helped with the season that this was in because it all takes place, you know, during the winter and it's cold out and the amusement park is closed and all that. When I went back and looked at it, I'm like, yeah, that makes sense to see, you know, that mood that was being felt throughout this whole story that was being told. The other thing you mentioned, Van, was how Cook can take this novel and turn it into a, a shortened version of that. But yet still, to me, feels like he does tell a very deep story going on here with just his art that's being done here. And this was maybe a 70, 80 page story to go through, but it definitely didn't feel like that because there's probably less words in this than what's in the novel, you know, and he could just tell that story with his art and I was feeling it. And I love the art style with the throwback to the, the sixties or or fifties, whatever that was. So, man, I'm, I'm just really glad I got to read this and what people were saying about it. They're right. They're totally right about this one.
3: Yeah, I, I think you're right that it, for that desolate, snowy landscape, that kind of very blue tinted, gray wash works really well. Because I was just checking in the seventh, which is the little short story that follows it, is actually in orange. So it's a very yeah. different kind of story. So it, it has more energy to it because it's an orange. And I think one of the other ones is in yellow, actually. I can't remember which one, but there's the other that it's done. Yeah, the art which is so simplistic and yet so evocative, really gives you that sense of the 60s, I think. Jared, what did you think about this issue?
2: Well, I didn't read it, but if I did, these are the notes I would have. This is my first dabble into the Darwin Cook-Parker universe. And just my notes say I think this is a very appropriate and and a cool choice because it's a very wintertime issue, so it fits in nicely at Crusamus. It feels cold. Mm -hmm. Everything about it feels cold and snowy. So, yeah, it was definitely a, a cool choice. Like Pat was mentioning, 70, 75 pages, somewhere in there. And it still was a breezy read. I've read Claremonti and X Men comics that have single issues that have taken longer to
0: read than this Watch thing. yourself.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Get but, a lump of coal in your stocking. Talk bad about Chris Claremont. <laughs>
2: I was texting Van a little bit about this on the side of the last couple of days. And I used the phrase when I texted him, like I said, Darwin Cook is putting on a masterclass of storytelling here. And he really is. It's a lot of show, don't tell. It's a lot of, lot of visual. It's sparing words. Each one of them carries weight. Last Crusade Miss, we had Tim Benson from Omaha Bound bring Lone Wolf and Cub. And these two books, although one is very Western and one is very Eastern, have that theme. That they read fast, they look beautiful, and they are master craftsmen doing their craft of storytelling. So yeah, it was very cool. And what I find most fascinating about every sort of Parker thing that I've been involved in is it, Van's gonna give me big eyes when I say this, but I want hang on and let me finish my thought. Parker is kind of boring as a guy. Like he's I'm a thief and I'm a good thief. What what elevates him is how he reacts to the things are going around because I mean what really saw, sells the story is the fact that he's seen going in and at first it's like oh shoot the cops saw me oh no it's another layer they're no. bad cops getting their take from the mob mm-hmm. so it's the mob who saw him <laughs> more than anything and the real layers come in with the mob and the cops and and so don't take it as a negative like Parker's sort of this vehicle and in fact when I read your books van I feel the same way. Like your, your lead character, who's got a homage name, like Harper. He's really just a throughput. Like all the characters around him are what makes the excitement happen. That the guy who betrays the team and the guy who's real funny, like his sidekick, who's real funny. Like there's that theme of the main character actually isn't that exciting, but that's not, that's a feature, not a bug as John Ringer would say. <laughs> that's to me is what's most fascinating he's just sort of this, this guy who's really good at his thing and and he does cool stuff, but it's what really makes him fascinating is the circumstances and things that happen around him. And I think that is Westlake's gift to writing, and I think that Darwin Cook captured that gift and put it in a just a beautiful bow.
3: Yeah, look for a high score. And I think the way he draws Parker, he looks exactly the way I imagine Parker should look. You said something really interesting there that made it ring a bell for me. You said that Darwin Cook is like putting on a master class here, a master craftsman. And see, that's the thing that was Westlake and that's cook and that's Parker. So you've got three things lined up there that are all like at the top of the game. And when you combine them, it's just perfect because the thing that I learned from Donald Westlake, when I started writing my books was you can have the bad guys be your heroes. If the people they're going up against are worse So, Jason, I don't think I've asked you what you thought about it, and I'm really curious.
0: Well, I'm going to, of course, have to put a James Bond-type spin on it because I saw a lot of similarities to Parker to our favorite H-007. We all have some love for old James Bond here. This kind of reminded me of, like, if James Bond had decided to go bad, if he'd gone to the side of the devils instead of the angels. As I read through this book, He's always watching. He's always looking. He's always planning two moves ahead. And we see that all through the book. The other thing that really stood out to me was he never panicked or got flustered. When he does the robbery, and basically it goes south because their getaway driver sucked and (laughs) rolled the car, he doesn't woe is me or get frustrated at the driver. The only thought that he has is like, huh, I wonder how my partner's gonna do in prison. But he keeps his wits about him. He grabs the money. He goes into the the fair and then realizes that he's what's going on and that he's stuck. Doesn't panic. Sets up his traps and everything. And then things go really bad because it turns out he kills the main mafia guy's son. And he still doesn't panic. He's like,
1: Okay, I'm gonna have
0: to think of something else. Yeah.
1: That was a good. That was a good twist too. When yeah. you find out who he was, and like, oh, uh-huh. oh, <laughs> things are yeah. going to go down.
0: But just really keeping his cool the whole time, and he was both resourceful, cunning. But when it came time to throw hands or knives, as it were, he knew his business, just like a certain gentleman spy that we all know and love.
3: Yeah, I hadn't made that connection, but that's a really good point. He is kind of the James Bond of crooks, of thieves. Yeah. All right. So it's time to rate your interest in the series using the official Crusademus Candy Cane scale, which seems woefully out of place for Parker. On a, maybe it's a Crusademus 38 special scale for this <laughs> <laughs> is one to 12 bullets. On the scale of one to 12 candy canes or bullets, as the case may be. 12 being extremely interested and one being no interest at all. How many candy cane slash bullets would you rate your interest in pursuing more? And there's only like five or six, but more quote unquote issues, volumes in this title. Pat, what do you think? I am going to give it all
1: 12 of my candy canes on this one. I thought, Woo! man, I wasn't sure what I was getting into, but the more with the conversation that we've all had around this one. And you bring, you know, more interesting facts that help raise this up as well, too. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed this one. I want to know more about the Parker universe, whether it's in the comics or whether it's in the books as well, too. I think it sounds fascinating as well. It is unfortunate that Darwin is no longer around because if those movies didn't do this justice, I think that just a short animated, you know, if this was a half an hour That's- read, maybe even, a uh, you know, 45 minutes to an hour of this animation and just seeing it could be quiet like that in the scenes where it needs to be and just him
3: doing what he did in here I would really enjoy that that's a really good point kind of like the Batman animated series and some things you can do better in animated. yeah I mean this would
1: just look so great
3: yeah no that's a really really good point Jared how do you rate your interest in this while we were talking I was doodling this guy who's just a guy
2: and he's saying 11 (laughs) because I was thinking 11 candy canes Wow! All right, but when I think about Darwin Cook and what he does with the simple strokes of an ink or a brush or whatever he's using, and and one color, yeah, it's a twelve. It's a full twelve. I, I, it's one of those things. If I if I see it laying around,
0: I'm gonna pick it up.
3: Wow! So we got two twelves, Jason. The pressure is on you, sir. What do you think? How do you rate it?
0: Well, going by my score of humor, heart, spectacle, and art, not a lot of humor in this book. So no so humor I'll, I'll give it a one heart for all the reasons that i said three spectacle man it was a page turner because i was cursing you out fan i was like who the hell does he think he is bringing a trait
1: that's true
3: he said Davis. that yeah. we <laughs> all did when i texted everybody <laughs> i asked jared first So i said i said do you think i can do a parker and he's like, well, how long are they, whatever? I said, well, I think one of them is a little shorter, and I'll I'll use that one. And I'm like, but if, if if you think that's still too long, but then I t- I opened it up and sent him a few screenshots. I said, there's no words on these two pages. There's no words on these two pages. I think it'll go fast. I think it'll go fast. He's like, and Jared was like, that's cool. So,
0: yeah. And Jared texted us and said, I just read it. Oh, your guys are in for a treat. And I thought, man, you know, Jared just might be trying to soften us up because we all know that Van used Jared to get this long. Onto the show. <laughs> but then Pat texted as well and said, This was really, really good. And that's a long winded way of me saying spectacle, three. Art, come on, three. Like, we don't even need to go into it. You guys have, have said all there is to the say. So that's 10. And I normally give one for the enthusiasm of the guests. And I'm going to do something I've never done before because Van. You know, Based off your earlier recommendation, I already bought a bunch of these, and now I want to go and read through all of them, full 12 from me as well. What?
2: Wow. Wow. Wow, 12, 12, 12. I don't remember the last time this has happened.
3: That's awesome. I'm yeah. so excited, guys, because, again, I was not sure you'd want something this long, but I did think it read fast. It did. And I knew it was quality. And I said, I think that the combination of a fast read and a super quality thing will be enough to overcome the fact that I'm throwing an 80 page. <laughs> book hey, hey, hey. At him. So let me give one last recommendation for this series. I will simply say he's an awesome character. It's an awesome story. The adaptation is perfectly done by two geniuses who left us too soon. Very sadly, there's the small hardcover version. There's the gigantic coffee table sized version with extra stories and art and features. There's a big long interview. The first of the two big coffee table books has a big interview thing with Cook. The second one has Brubaker and the IDW guy and several others all just sitting around a table talking about Cook and Westlake for like 15 pages. It's glorious. Plus, you get the seventh, you get the man with the getaway face, you get several other stories that he'd done is like just a few pages, like a little pastiche thing. So, they're beautiful. It's just absolutely, uh, I can't recommend them highly enough. Well, thank you, Van.
0: Awesome book. Thanks for bringing it. Obviously, we all loved it. And that will wrap up day two of the 12 Days of Crusadeness. We'd love to hear from you if you're familiar with any of the comics we cover here on the show, or if you gave one of our recommendations a try. So let us know what you think about it. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and at YouTube, all at Longbox Crusade. You can also email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com. And if you want to pick up the phone, you can call us at 707-532-5269 at 707-532-LBOX.
1: Pick up the phone!
0: And if you're loving Crusademus and didn't get a chance to listen last year, or just want to hear more from Crusademus, If you scroll far enough back on our feed, you can find all the episodes from Christmas past 2022, 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, or even
3: 2017. Guys, thanks for having me on. Did anybody, you know, out there actually listen to this episode? Someone knows. God knows. (laughs) Thanks for listening, those of you that did. Be sure to come back tomorrow to find out what the next gift is from under the tree here in the festively decorated Longbox Crusade Studios. Thanks for having me, fellows. Until next time, DJ Cristados, play me a Christmas jam.
2: Wiggly, 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 whack.
0: All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. No Go ahead and sing it. Sing it, Vin. You know you gotta sing it.
3: What am I singing? The Sing two... your intro lyric. There, I'll give you it.
0: Yeah. Two sleighs of grounding. Oh, I know. had no
3: idea what you were talking about. Oh. He really uh, really doesn't remember from last
0: uh, time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) in fairness, we do make him wait 11 months. (laughs) I
3: think it's been more like two or three (laughs) years. I think it was two Um, years ago he was actually on. But no, I just didn't understand two sleighs grounding. For some reason, I was seeing Groundhog Day, and I'm like, wait, what? What does this (laughs) have to do with We try to take the title of your book and turn it into a lyric from the 12 days of Christmas. I I understand now. I see it. you just did a poor job. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I did a poor job setting you up. Oh no, no, I'm kidding. Uh okay, let me see.